Mission Passion. We're going to be in Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, if you want to turn there. And during that time, I'm going to ask Pam Marsh and Tom Condor to come on up and share a little bit of Africa. Pam, if you would come at this time, please, if you would come on up here and share with us. I want to start out by saying thank you to my church family for giving me the privilege and the opportunity to visit Monica in Africa. It was um, an incredible blessing to me. I was filled with such joy when I uh, watched what God was doing, not only through her, but also in her, as she truly did surrender all. She has surrendered all to, to follow the Lord, and she has found great joy in doing so. Um, I learned a lot while I was there. You know, we had a wonderful privilege of actually living in the village. I became quickly aware of two things. First of all, that um, these are people who are materially destitute. They have next to nothing. Like Ron said, if we walked in, we would think that we were living in a, in a slum area. But they are very, very rich in relationships. And uh, I noticed that on two different occasions while being with Monica. First of all, she had a ladies' tea for us. Guys didn't get to come. It was just the ladies in her little tiny home. And the, the women came. They came beautifully dressed in their congas. And we sat on the floor in mats. And it was very interesting to me. Monica is, is a, what appears to be very fluent in Kizaramo, in the language that's spoken there. And uh, they were very, the women that came, they were politely interested in Amy and I. They were glad we were there. But they love Monica. They were nice to us, but they love Monica. And they had a marvelous time carrying on a conversation that I understood nothing about. But they, they love her. The second thing that I uh, saw that also the guys didn't get to be a part of was one day, actually it was Sunday afternoon after we had uh, had our worship service as, as a group of just the missionaries and those of us who were there, we went with Monica into an area of the village that we hadn't been in before. And while we were there, uh, an older woman came running out, just so excited and just having this conversation with Monica, just uh, just thrilled. And Monica turned to us and said, a baby's just been born. This baby is is about two days old. And she has actually invited all of us, the three of us, Monica and Amy and myself, into her home to see this new baby. Now, the missionary told us that that's a very um, uh, unusual thing to do because in the Muslim culture, a woman and a new baby are isolated for like 40 days before they're actually seen by the public. But we were invited in. We got to hold this beautiful, beautiful little Zoramo baby, a beautiful baby. And we were there, you know, sitting on these tiny stools with our knees touching this lady's bed, holding her baby. And Monica, again, carrying on a conversation that just showed her great love for the people and their love for her. And uh, I realized I was in that room, in that spot, because of the way they loved Monica. And um, I, I just feel very excited to know what God's going to be doing with her. And I think that we are privileged people to be able to support that in whatever way God, uh, God shows us to do. 
I had several things I wanted to share, and I think it's really neat because that's the same scripture that the Lord gave me to share, and I'm glad I didn't have to take some of my time reading that scripture. Going to Africa for me, um, I think if I could sum it all up in one word, it, it would be the word perspective. It really gave me a perspective on how really, truly, truly blessed we really are in this country. I can assure you that the least wealthy person that you know, I even hesitate to use the word poor, is by far the wealthiest person in their village. Um, Perspective came to me quite quickly when uh, I realized I had to walk everywhere I went instead of getting in my car, air conditioned, turn it on, go. Uh, perspective came really quick when I realized that it would take 15 guys working a full day's labor just to make my car payment. There's just no way to compare what God has blessed us with. And to have the opportunity to go to a place like that uh, with, the, with our shepherd, with our pastor, and listen to his heart about what he wants to do, um, what God has laid on his heart to do as another outreach as part of the missions of this church was a privilege for me. And I want to thank you for the opportunity to allow me to do that. Um, I, I wanted to tell you just one story that I thought was kind of, kind of interesting. and It kind of summed up for me um, the difference between their, their economy and their culture and ours. When we got there, um, we had heard from Monica that the kids don't really have any toys to play with. And so uh, some of the, a couple of people in our group took some deflated soccer balls and some pumps. And when we got there, first thing they did was blow up a soccer ball and take it outside. Well, it didn't take long for word to get out that there was a brand new soccer ball in the village. And so kids came from everywhere to start playing with a soccer ball. They kicked it around for maybe a half an hour and it had got out in the weeds and gotten poked by a thorn or something and deflated. And so you would think, you know, our kids, a flat soccer ball, you know, Mom, where's the new one? Take me to Walmart. Those kids, there was probably 20 of them, they played with that deflated soccer ball all day. And they came back the next day wanting that soccer ball to play with. That's how important little things are to those people. We can provide just little things for them. Um, if you have your Bibles with me, turn to Mark chapter 4, the parable of the soils. Now, I call this mission passion. I'm going to use the terms heart and soil interchangeably. And one of the reasons I do that, because I remember when I was a child, I heard a sermon uh, and the pastor said, what kind of dirt are you of the whole service? And I just got fixated and all I could think about was him calling me dirt and you know how that runs our self-esteem. Uh, so I'll try to use the word heart so that we won't get stuck on that. This is a parable, of course. Jesus speaks in nearly 60 parables throughout the Gospels. Uh, matter of fact, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John actually doesn't consist of many parables. But one-third of all of Jesus' teachings are done in the form of parables. Now, what are parables? They're simply uh, everyday stories that are applied to have a heavenly meaning. In, in other words, they're word pictures. That's kind of the word that we use today to help us to understand the message that's being presented. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing here in Mark chapter 4 
beginning in verse 2. He taught them many things by parables and in teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. The seed, of course, is representative of the Word of God. This is both the Word of God at this point at this time would have been the Old Testament, what they had of it, and the words of Jesus, the Word of God. As He was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds or the evil one came and ate it up. And some fell upon rocky places which did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. That was typical and is typical today in the Palestinian geography. Uh, lots of places there's limestone underneath, and there could be just a little bit of dirt. And when that seed is placed, or if it falls upon the ground, it can quickly germinate. It almost acts as a microwave, but there are no roots. And so as the sun comes out, it is scorched and it dies, which is exactly what happens here. So we see the hard heart, and then we see the shallow heart. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. And the sun came up, or the persecutions, or the difficulties of life. And the plants were scorched, and they were withered, and caused, and caused they had, because they had no roots. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop multiplying thirty, sixty, or even a hundredfold. Now that was not uh, abnormal to see sometimes crops that would yield thirty, sixty, or a hundredfold. Uh, even in this day and time, uh, when I was back home in Louisiana, my dad was planting corn, and I planted a little bit with him, and we'd throw. He had already plowed the ground, and we'd throw two or three uh, kernels of corn, and then we would cover it up. He gave me a hoe, but I remember I just did uh, like when I was a kid. <clears throat> we put those three, and I'd just kind of step on it and move on. And that that corn will usually produce a stalk that will have at least a hundred grains of corn on it, if not much more. Now. In this particular area of Palestine, uh, it probably was difficult to produce that much, but it was certainly possible, and certain areas of the Jordan Valley were much more fertile, where that would have been commonplace. So we're not talking about something that is impossible, but it is something that takes planning and preparation in the right type of soil. Now, most of the time when we read this parable, we think in this manner. We think, oh, it's talking about those people who've never heard the gospel, those people who are not believers, and certainly that is an application of this text. But it's interesting that Jesus is speaking to his disciples and to those who are at that time following or at least attempting to follow him. So it is also speaking to those who might call themselves Christ followers. So when we look in that manner, we can see that this isn't necessarily a message for other people. It's not just a message for, oh yeah, those people, the way that they respond when they hear the gospel, because I think it is very applicable for you and I as Christ's followers. A hard heart would be the first heart that Jesus speaks of. Those who hear and say, you know, I'm just not really interested. I don't really care about that. We're talking about missions today and about needs today. I, you know, I've heard that stuff before and... You know, I'm not going to fall into that. That doesn't help me any. And Those people, they, they got what they probably deserve. That's that hard heart, that mentality that if it doesn't really benefit me in this moment, I really have no interest. I really don't want to hear it. 
It's interesting. As we got there, I um, uh, one day we were sitting out in front of the house, and there were a bunch of children that came through, and uh, you know they were playing soccer as usual. And I asked the missionary, I said, um, uh, we were talking about food, and about that time, uh, a guy rode up, and he'd come for about 15 to 20 miles in the next village where they had gotten in from the city some what he called ice cream. Now, it was so nasty. Let me just say that. It was really more of a popsicle. And so they were uh, 150 shillings apiece, which means he probably paid 75 and then had ridden about 20 miles with them. And uh, that's about 15 cents to us. And so I asked the missionary, I said, could I buy these children? There were only a few children there. There's probably five or six at that time. Could I buy them one? He goes, yeah. I uh, said, so they had this? He said, they've probably never had one. And so I, I bought them one as well as all of us. And I got mine, and I had about two bites, and I just wanted to spit it out. It was awful. wasn't ice cream. wasn't a popsicle. I don't know what it was. It was just chemicals on a stick that make you sick is what I thought. And so, uh, so I'm, like, looking for a place to throw this away, but I'm thinking, you know, these people are hungry. I'm not just going to throw this away. Well, these kids are eating it, you know, and they're just devouring it. Well, I see another kid come up, and he's looking around, and I've had two bites of mine, and you want this? And boy, he took it. He was excited to get that. Well, about 10 minutes later, uh, more children come up and they start to hear the story of how we had had some kind of sweet nectar. And they go and they find the wrappers and they pick those wrappers up and they start to lick them. And then about 30 minutes later, there's a three-year-old boy about the, size, about the age of my son Brock. And there's a stick and it, it's been in sand and it has dirt on it. And he picks that stick up and he starts to lick it. I don't know about you, but that touched me for a moment because here I am wanting to throw this thing away because I don't like the taste. And here, here he is biting on a stick with dirt, hoping to glean just the taste of what I've had. In verse 15, some people are like the seed along the path where the Word is sown, and as they hear it, Satan comes and takes it away. Others are like seed on rocky places. They hear the Word, and at once they receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes of the Word, they quickly fall away. The shallow heart. The heart that buys the ice cream. Or maybe they take stickers like this. You know, I used stickers like this the whole time. I'd give them out. I didn't speak the language. And I'd give stickers. And the kids would smile. And I'd think, I'm really doing something. And they'd put it on their hand or on their chest. And I thought about us sometimes. You know, we have our little sticker that we bring. We show God. I go to church on most Sundays. got a sticker. Proud of my sticker? God, I, I put something in the offering plate every month. Got a sticker. God, um, I, I try to say my prayers and be a good person and not say bad, bad curse words. Get a sticker. And somehow we think if we get lots of stickers, that'll make God happy. You know, it's about as shallow as me thinking I really made an impact by giving a sticker away. You know, it's easy for us to kind of get consumed with a sticker mentality. I'll give you this, God. I'll give this child a sticker. I'll give those people who have less, maybe even a popsicle, and feel good about ourselves and walk away. 
But the truth of it is, we've nearly not changed anything. We've simply made ourselves feel better. I think that's what Jesus is describing when He talks about a shallow heart. We feel joy and then we walk away and we forget. The third heart is the crowded heart. Still, the Bible tells us in verse, uh, as you move on here, we skip down a few verses into verse 18. Still others like seed, as Jesus interprets this parable, sown among thorns, hear the word, but their worries of life and their deceitfulness of wealth and their desires for other things come and choke the word out and make it unfruitful. The crowded heart, the heart that maybe once had trusted Christ and thought, I want to serve Him and I want to love Him with all my heart, soul, and mind, but now i got a lot of stuff going on. I got a big job, got lots of bills, got lots of things to do, very, 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 very busy, and maybe I have time for a sticker. God, I'll give you a sticker. What do you think about that? Maybe it's not that we don't know Christ and we don't potentially love Him. It's that our hearts become so crowded. There's so many other things that vie for our attention. Put up the next slide there. We got there. We stayed, as I mentioned to you, in a concrete home, which would have been the wealthy home, but most people, most of them live in a home like this. This is a mud house. Of course it has no air conditioning or television set in it, much less any plumbing or electricity or plumbing. This is the size of the house. Matter of fact, the next picture will show you, give you a little bit proportion of the size of this home. This is the way most of the people live. Let me ask you this. If that was my house, and they don't have a house note, by the way, but if that was my house, do you think I'd have a lot of other things to compete with? Do you think that if I heard the Word of God and I believed it to be true, which many of these people are hearing for the first time, uh, their native language, their dialect is of the Zoramo people. We don't have any Bibles written in that language. As a matter of fact, there really isn't anything written in that language. It's a dialect that the younger children and the older people know. As they go to school, they learn Swahili, which there are things written in. And uh, eventually, if they go through high school, get to high school, which most of them don't, um, they'll learn some English as well. But I wonder if we lived in a mud house, if we didn't have all these competing blessings, would we be able to hear more fully? Could it be that our blessings sometimes become our curse? I'll never forget this. One of the missionaries had a tuna can like this, and they'd had some tuna they'd brought over from the city. And they threw it in their trash can. About a day and a half later, they take it out to their, what we would call our trash can or our dump, and they had a big hole dug about seven feet deep, and they just throw it in there. They told me how the children got in there, and they pulled that can out after a day and a half and began to lick the insides of the can. Too much is given, much is required. Can I be honest with you? I, I don't even really like tuna that much. And I usually a lot of times I'll eat it, it doesn't taste right, and I just kind of throw it out. 
You know why? Because I'm blessed enough that I can go buy a hundred more cans of tuna. Matter of fact, if I don't like tuna, I can go buy a hamburger or even a steak. It's just a matter of me pulling out a little plastic card and doing it. But when that opportunity is not possible, then you have a different perspective, as Tom said. What about you this morning? What's your perspective? Give us the next one there. Next slide. You know what this is? This is the well where they get their water. And this is actually a well that the missionaries put in because there's only a couple there. There's actually a one pump well that someone put in from another village and they charge the people for their water if they want to get that kind of water, that kind of clean water. But most of them go to a hole or they go to something like this that the missionary has put in and go to the next picture. And you'll see what this water looks like. You know what that water is used for? It's what they drink. It's what they wash their clothes in. It's what they live on. There's no water at the school. The children will go by, and they'll go by a well like that or hole, and they'll get water that looks just like this. And that's what they'll drink for the day. You and I, we're drinking this. Matter of fact, you and I, we'll look at that and we'll go, Spring Reflections, that's not even a good brand. I don't want that. Where's the Dasani? Where's the Deja Vu? I don't know if that's good water. I don't know. Which one would you drink? So here's the difference. This doesn't exist where they are. This is what they have. And sometimes they don't have this. One of the reasons we want to adopt that village is because we want to see more waters, Doug, and you'll hear it. You won't be able to hear it because the recording's not very good, but Tim said we eventually want to start offering clean water, but right now we're just trying to provide something that's wet. Because when the dry season comes, most of these holes dry up. And so we're just trying to provide this. But if we have enough time and money, we're going to want to provide not this, but something that's more like this. At the end of this parable, Jesus, as He interprets it, says this in verse 20. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the Word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even a hundredfold. Guys, most of my life I've lived in a situation where we try to add. We try to make addition within the kingdom of God. We try to just add to some degree. We hope that at some level we can have a crop of 5, 2, 10 fold. But we have the opportunity to make an impact on a larger scale. Now, this is just a small village of five or 6,000 people. It's a poor village called the Zoromo people. Matter of fact, it's so bad that the other tribes think they're poor. And um, so they're, they're, out, they're out in the bush. And we can't make an impact in the whole world, but we can make an impact in a village. And here's what I want us to challenge, challenge you to do, and I want you to pray about. I want us as a church to consider praying about helping to provide water, secondly, clean water, and thirdly, eventually, a school for four to seven-year-olds. Now, the government has come in and provided a upper-level elementary, basically, what we would call it, and then a high school, which a lot of the kids never get to. Again, it's a school where they go to where there's no air, there's no plumbing, there's no water. So if they want water, they have to stop a couple of kilometers outside and go and pick up something like this. 
And it's very difficult. We're not even going to get into the book situation or any of that kind of situation. I'm just talking about some basic necessities of life that you and I would just say, that's a basic need of life. What about it? Do we want to invest ourselves? And let me say this. I'm not just talking about money. Okay? This is not one of those sermons where everybody get the pocketbook out and let's give and let's get this off our mind. Good night. I hate hearing stuff like that. Here's a dollar. Leave me alone. Okay? If that's where you are, just leave it in your pocket. Seriously, just leave it in your pocket. Here's what I'm asking. Uh, Some radical stuff here, okay? Number one, I want you to pray about going. And I'm not talking about just a trip. I hope some of you will do that. I'm talking about living. There's some families there living. There's, I, I was blown away. One family there has two young children, and the guy's type 1 diabetes. He was an engineer. He decided to take his family and go and live and learn a language uh, by living with the people because it's an unreached people group because there is no church there right now. So we're not even talking about doing a church. We're talking about cleaning water and then doing a school and maybe a church will come later. Okay? So this isn't all about, let's go over there and build a church. And don't get me wrong, they could use one there. We're talking about the basic necessities of life. I want you to pray about, should you go and, and live? Secondly, should I invest my life? How can I invest my life? And, and again, that's great if you want to give money. And let me tell you what we don't need. We don't need you to come up here and bring a whole bunch of stuff to us and tell us to mail it over there because they won't get it. First of all, there's not a mailbox there, okay? There's not a post office there. This is in the bush, okay? So it's about two and a half hours away uh, from the city where there'd be a post office. And none of these people have a post office box. So Monica has to go there and get it. And even if you send it there, there's about a 50% chance they won't get it. And if it's worth money, they won't get it, okay? It's, it's a small miracle if they get it. So really, this is more about you beginning to pray and to ask God, what can I do? And there are going to be opportunities in the days ahead. And, and certainly we want to, as a church, begin to offer wells, to begin to do clean water, to help them with a school, and help them send people who could teach over there. If we build that school, we'll be able to let anybody that we want to teach in it. We have an impact. We have an opportunity to make an impact, just like we have an opportunity to do a lot of things. And again, I know this is just one small sliver of the world. But Jesus said, if you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me.